The views expressed on the following program are designed to amplify those of the speaker and not necessarily those of KAAM, DJRD Broadcasting, or its sponsors. Hello, everybody! Coming up on today's experience, devotional diamonds of the day, also known as DDDs, where my daily devotions become some of our spiritual reflections. Sound effects placed throughout the show, which have nothing to do with life, but I like them. And that is a good reason to have them. And many of you like them, too. And Captain Chris is quite proficient at them. The review of the Goofy News, which proves Jesus is coming back sooner than you think. It's my understanding that there is a verdict in on the Rittenhouse uh, trial. I think more really bizarre, totally weird news is coming. And the Christians ought to be praying for a peace upon the nation because the devil is definitely in the stirring mode. Life lessons for our faith that we could actually use probably won't if we're just hearers and not doers. That means you're going to church and sitting on your blessed assurance. Probably want, want to change that. Humor that will force you to think, why does this guy have a radio show? Thus far, we have been able to pay the bill. But we got another one coming up in nine days. <laughs> also, Bible trivia for fake and yet somehow real cool prizes, your phone calls, and more. Welcome to the David Spoon Experience, local, national, and heavenly talk. My name is David Spoon. I will be your host for the next 5,400 seconds. Get ready for one of the more bizarre experiences on live radio. Here is the key to the show. We don't know what we're doing. We have no idea what's going to happen. We don't care. That's just the best attitude to have. Yeah, I don't care. For, For the next few minutes, and I will give somebody a dollar if they can tell me where this comes from. And for the next few minutes, I want to talk faith with you. Let's just see if you can tell me where that comes from. So here we go. We're asking questions about living life as a Christian. So most of you know there's a lot of news going on right now, uh, the verdict, and we do need to be praying that just, you know, whatever whatever your position is, no Christian anywhere wants people to be physically abused in any way, shape, or form. That's not the way the gospel is. If Jesus wanted to obliterate people, he would have come down and used his finger like a stun gun ray thing and just gone, do, 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 do. But he didn't do that, right? He came to help people and he came to encourage people and comfort people. We ought to be praying for our nation to have a sense of humility. I'm sure many won't, but Christians can and should pray along those lines. Uh, If you do, by the way, have an opinion, a comment, a thought, or a question, not on that particularly, but just on how Christians ought to engage. Okay, I talked to my brother yesterday for, I don't know, about 45 minutes, and, you know, where he's at, they're all like going, yowza. (laughs) He doesn't even, they're just trying to find their footing or their bearing. Listen, what did we talk about yesterday? When Christians faced persecution, what did the early church do? They prayed. 
Now, that should be an indicator right there that everybody be praying much more for the nation, for one another. But if you have something you want to share, something you want to talk about, comment, opinion, a thought, a question, you have a praise report, maybe the Lord has blessed you, guided you, directed you, given you insight, given you an answer. I know God's answering prayers. I get those texts. You can share that on the air. You, maybe you have a, a praise report or a prayer request. You want everybody to join in on you, with you, and, and join you in your struggle. Like Paul says in Romans 15, 30, join me in my struggle by praying with me. That's one of the ways we join struggles. The way to do that is to reach out to us and call 972-445-0770. That's 972-445-0770. When you call 972-445-0770, Captain Chris will answer the phone. You'll be sailing in the right direction. Everything going good right into a beautiful weekend. Yeah. Then you can text us if you want to do that instead. You can text us at 214-210-8483. That's 214-210-8483. Pretty simple, not complex. Do that during the show, but don't call that number because you won't get an answer. And also, you can email us, david at hemustincrease.org. That's david at hemustincrease.org, which leads us to the website, and there is several reasons why we're going to talk about this. I am, in fact, going to be directing people to the new website in the next, like, two weeks. Wow. I'm just warning you. It's really slick. And even since I had Captain Chris look at it, it's slicker. I've added a few more things. They're really, it's kind of nice. So I'm pretty happy about it. Okay. But on the website currently, there is a few different things. There is a place where you can fill out a form where you can get prayer for you or for somebody else. Okay. You can also, uh, you know, prayer or a praise report. You can do that as well. You also have an opportunity to give on the website. Plus on the website is the address on where you can give and how to give if you want to do it by check. The other thing I want to tell you about is the apps. The apps go on your phone. They don't take any space. That way, if you're anywhere, uh, not by your computer, not by your uh, radio, but you got your phone, you can click a button in our app. You just click a button, touch, listen live, and boom, you're, you're listening to it. So it's pretty simple, pretty free, pretty fun. And, uh, and I encourage you, if you can give, what's today, 19th? Okay. We have until the 28th. Actually, we have until the 27th because we got to pay on the 28th. We have until the 27th. Yay, team. Go, go, go. Go. Okay. Go to hemustincrease.org. Website, hemustincrease.org, hemustincrease.org. Email david at hemustincrease.org. Facebook, hemustincreaseministry. YouTube, hemustincreaseministry. Now, just real, just one of those weird things. I pray for you guys like on a regular basis. So I put down on my piece of paper here, pray for each other for safety. And that was before I knew what was going on in the world or whatever the case may be. So you ought to pray for one another in safety just because I felt like that's what the Lord was like putting on my heart. Just pray for one another to be safe and solid in, in their relationships with the Lord. You can be very specific. It's really hard to pray for, oh, I pray for everybody who believes. I do that every day, but I recognize that's a general shotgun, throw it up in the air type of prayer. But when you're listening on the radio station, you hear different people and different voices, those people. And just say, Lord, those people, all those people and the people that are listening, and pray for everyone's safety, and specifically for the radio audience, your brothers and sisters, because you guys are in a fellowship, and that fellowship is two people in the same boat, fellowship. Okay, there you go. All right, do we have anything we got to cover? We can go right into the teaching. All right, check in with Chris. Yeah? No? All right, here we go. Hebrews, you better watch out. Boy, I am loaded. 
I am ready. Not the other loaded. I'm loaded. Never mind. Here we go. Hebrews chapter, uh, we're in, ch- <laughs> you think I know what I'm doing, would you? Ch- uh, Hebrews chapter 3, and we're going to pick it up at verse 10. It says this, for 40 years, therefore I was provoked to anger with that generation and said they always go astray in their hearts. And they have not known my ways. So I swore in my anger, they are not going to enter my rest. Now, you have to remember that this is a New Testament text. Nobody needs to be thinking any other way. And the problem here is that people can provoke God to anger, which right off the bat seems like a dumb idea. I can provoke my wife to anger by not being very thoughtful. That's really easy. I imagine in my own lack of righteousness, I can probably provoke God to anger a lot faster. I don't want to do it intentionally because it just seems dumb. What it says is that people that are provoking God to anger, that they're going astray in their hearts. Let me make three quick comments. One, you don't go astray if you weren't there in the first place. In other words, you can't stray from what you weren't in. Okay, that's just, I mean, come on. That's, there's a little bit of logic you can use in there. That's why God gave you two ears, uh, one mouth, but a brain above your eyes. See that whole thing there? So the idea behind that is that these people have obviously to some degree tasted what is good. For a New Testament simplistic reference point, you would think of Luke 17, where the 10 lepers came out to Jesus as he was going through Samaria to Galilee, and they said to him, heal us, heal us, heal us, and Jesus healed them. That's Luke 17, 11, and the 10 of them were healed. Only one of the 10 came back to say thank you. That was a Samaritan, which I think is uh, the, the major point of the text. The other nine never returned. And Jesus, in his own words, said, "You, you know, your faith has saved you. Uh, and there's a, in, in dis, uh, a dis, an understanding of the faith-saving, meaning that more than just the benefit of healing, that that Samaritan actually moved into a salvation faith. But the premise behind this is, for those who stay in the kingdom and follow the Lord and don't vary and depart, there is more than just the touch from God. I want you to know something. God touches people all the time, encourages people all the time, and they say, and they receive it, and they walk away. But the person that gets touched by God and responds and turns to God, there's even more in store for that person. Now, when you go back to this text and think of what I just said and, and listen to what it says, therefore I was provoked to anger with that generation. It said they're always going astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. So I swore my anger they will not enter my rest. You don't get into the rest. You don't get into that place of peace. You don't get into that place of comfort when you say, thank you, Lord, and then go astray in your heart and miss out on the rest. doesn't work that way. You don't get the benefits from God when you just step in to get all the prizes, but you don't want to put in any of the work. It doesn't work. It's sorry. I'm sorry. 
And I'm, and this is not to be offensive to anybody. I'm not trying to offend anybody. But the bottom line is when you go to a carnival, I'm just saying, you buy tickets. And you take those tickets. And what do you do? You go to a game. And what do you do at the game? You play the game. And you try and win at the game. And if you keep going and you keep playing and you win, you get the prize. But if you go to the carnival and you, pull, and you get some cotton candy and it's like, it's so great I'm at a carnival and you never play a single game, you're not going to win a single prize. That's, 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 yeah, top that logic. <laughs> there you go. Okay. All right, we're going to take a break and then come back. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Most of my life, it feels like I've been running. The David Spoon Experience. There was a pastor. Now, I use that word with some reservation. Having been involved in uh, ministry and having the privilege of planting seven churches uh, throughout the United States and having three separate ordinations, I have a tremendous amount of respect for people who commit their lives into ministry. Uh, but whenever there's somebody on television or anywhere else that uh, is a nut job, then uh, I just call it like I see it. Okay, now that's what I call it. Call it like I see it. On the Sean Hannity show, uh, roughly about uh, two weeks ago, a reverend, so-called reverend Oliver White was on the show, and uh, Reverend Wright said this, and I'm going to repeat it because some of these things are just unbelievable. He said that Jesus was wrong about marriage. At least he didn't have the audacity to say he never said anything about marriage. He said Jesus was wrong about marriage and that marriage should be more than between a man and a woman. And then he proceeded to say this statement, ladies and gentlemen. He said this. Now, this isn't even the thing that's irritating. Then he proceeded to say this. If Jesus were alive today, he said, he would say, I didn't know it all. This is a man who's supposed to be representing Jesus Christ as a minister. This guy's no minister. And if you want to say, well, that's judging, I'll take that judgment all day long. All day long, I'll take that judgment, no matter what anybody says. Here's a guy that says two things. One, Jesus was wrong about marriage. Two, if Jesus were alive today, any person who proclaims or professes to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ and questions whether Jesus Christ is alive today or not is not a minister, but a false teacher. I don't care. I don't care if you like it. I don't care if you think that's mean. That's irrelevant. Facts are facts. And here's the thing that just overwhelms me. This overwhelms me, ladies and gentlemen. Any person who is in public office, now this goes with this, all three, three of these things go together. Any person who is in public office who changes their convictions about same-sex marriage because another family member has made a decision to go into the lifestyle of being gay or lesbian, any person who changes their convictions, their biblical Christian convictions, based on another family member changing their status uh, into a, a gay or lesbian lifestyle, and then that person then changes their Bible convictions to, uh, to accommodate their family member is not fit to be a Christian. That's right. I said it.
Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. And remember, that's KAAMN 770, the truth station here in Texas, where I have my electronics falling off my table right in front of me. Praise the Lord. Okay, here's your first trivia question. Who escaped by night in a basket down a city wall when he heard, when he heard that the Jewish people were plotting to kill him? Okay, little Yogi Bear here. Who escaped in a basket? Picking a basket? Uh, who escaped in a basket? I would imagine it was a bigger basket than a picnic basket. What do you think? Yeah. Was it Boo Boo? I was going to say, that was his big mistake, wasn't it? He had a, hey, Boo Boo. Right. Uh, who escaped by night in a basket down a city wall when he heard that the Jews, uh, Jewish people had plotted against him? If you think you know, you can call in 972-445-0770. You can also text in 214-210-8483. Plus, you can send an email, david at hemustincrease.org. We're going to wait on our DNA for a little bit. Uh, we'll probably do that in a little bit. But somebody's calling in. See, good timing to wait. Every once in a while, I think I'm following. <laughs> Every once in a while. Okay. So somebody's going to call in to answer the trivia question. And it's a good question because we got it. We really need to know. And keep in mind, uh, these are things to be aware of that different Christian believers, their, their process, they went through this. All right. Ready? We ready? Okay. This is David. Who am I talking to? Uh, Hal. Hi. Hal. David looks like Shaul was the guy who was put down on the side. Uh... As your description said, does that sound right to you? Say say that again, real quickly. Paul, in other words. That is correct. Correct, the window. Oh. You are right. Send me, send, yeah, send me all those gifts that you promised. Okay, right? I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you. Now we did this once in, in in my prior life. I'm going to send you an invisible hockey puck right now. Get ready. Here it comes. An invisible hockey puck, and there you go. I, there you go. And I caught it with my right hand. How you are that? awesome. <laughs> Excellent Thank job. You have a blessed day. Great, great Thanksgiving. Take care, buddy. God bless. God bless. Appreciate it. Awesome. That's fun. All right. So that's right, Paul. It was a little funny on the Yogi Bear stuff, though. Okay. All right. Yes, you can still laugh. It's permitted. What? Okay. Uh, all right. So we were just talking about this. And the reason that I set up the but it kind of seems like some of my initial teachings are a little more like, ooh, ooh. First of all, I don't ever want our ministry to be a ministry that we don't actually use the word and do the word and process the word. And some things in the word are ouch. I mean, it just, you know, not everything, but some things. But if you work it together, if you look at the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation, for the most part, there's always, hey, nice job here. Yeah, but here's what you're doing wrong. Here's what we're gonna change. And if you don't change it, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna take you out. <laughs> it's just like, okay. So, you know, we kind of operate with some of that going on. So we just talked about in the prior section, which is pretty important to understand that when people go astray in their hearts, there's a problem. That means that they were somewhere connected or somewhere touched, just like the leper story I was talking about. Some ten people touched by God. Touched by the healing power of Jesus, only nine, only nine walked away, went astray in their hearts. They didn't even acknowledge. And only one, the Samaritan, was going to get more, more blessings because he was staying firm and he came back. And then Jesus said, you can go because you are going to be blessed. It's like, wow, that's cool. But look at this next verse because this, 
this I didn't write this. I'm just saying. All right, next verse, verse 12, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Watch out, brothers and sisters. In lieu of this story we just heard, watch out, you know, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. All right. So people are going to go, well, once saved, always saved. Well, not once saved, once not always saved. Back and forth, back and forth. That's the wrong question. That's why everybody has an argument about it because they don't know how to ask the question. It's not a once saved, always saved, or not once saved, always saved. It's once you're in, you have to stay in. But if you stay in, you're in. That's it. It's like there's nothing more to this. Stop trying to make these as bigger theological issues as they can. The real question is, is the person really in? And that will bear out on whether they stay in or they don't stay in. If you're staying in, you're in. Okay? You should have an assurance there. But here's a warning. Don't be like the people— who have an evil, unbelieving heart. I just want you to see that God doesn't have any reservation calling unbelief evil. Is it? It's not like, well, don't be like those people who have a really super cool, awesome, fantastic, unbelieving heart. It's like, no, an unbelieving heart towards the living God is evil. Now I'm going to drop it to the level of practicality. So in what situation do you approach God with an evil, unbelieving heart? Not in general you have for salvation. You're strong in that. You'll be saved. But in your circumstance, are you operating in an evil, unbelieving heart? Are you going astray in that arena? You're like, well, no, no, I don't want to. Or sometimes I believe, but uh, I believe, but then I really need help. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Then say that to God. Don't live in the in the doubt. Come to the Lord and say, I believe, help my unbelief. That you know, that guy, he thought that and then he said that. <laughs> okay. In other words, he said to the Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Okay. Say that. Say that to God. I, I do believe you. I just don't know how to process on this situation. Tell him. He's with you. He's for you. He's not against you. He's not looking for every word that comes out of your mouth to be perfect. That's just not happening. But he is looking for you to turn to him and never have an unbelieving heart going on. Remember, this is the same author that in three chapters, or sorry, six, one, two, three, six, eight chapters from here is going to say, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Same author. So he's telling you, now, you cannot approach God with this, man, I don't know. You maybe, maybe you can, maybe you can't. I don't know. None of that. No. And the and the warning is to who? Brothers and sisters. Watch out, brothers and sisters. Those are believers. When 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 the author of Hebrews says brothers and sisters, he's talking about believers. I know some the theologians and preachers are like, well, that's not really believers. Oh, would you be quiet? Like it's the letters to Christians, and he goes, hey, brothers and sisters, what do you think he's talking to? He's not talking to Moby Dick, for crying out loud. He's talking to brothers and sisters. And he's like, don't let there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from God, turns away from the living God. It's not some kind of idol. It's he's alive, and he's active, and he's active in your circumstances, and he's active in your situation, and your heart needs to turn to him in the fullness of faith. 
and say, let's do this. Let's partner in this. Let's rock and roll in this. Let's go forward in this. But some of you won't say rock and roll. But I'm just saying some of you maybe should. Some of you should recognize that rock and roll, your feet are on the rock and your name is on the roll. Ah! Okay. So anyhow, the bottom line towards that is for you and I to understand. When we approach God, we have to have a believing heart in the living God, that he is active and present with us and helping us and guiding us. And you don't have to be afraid to come before the Lord. And you should never be afraid to come before the Lord and tell him exactly where you're at. He knows anyway. See, there's nothing nothing going on in your life that God's a, you don't pray to inform God. You pray to connect with God. God already knows. And because he knows when you pray, that's part of the process. Well, I know you're aware of this, but I want to bring this up, this thing that's troubling me, and this is why. And you get it off your chest. You cast it under the Lord because he cares for you. That's part of that process of casting it under the Lord. And then you are able to, you know, instead of trying to carry it around like a weight on your head, you're able to go, there you go. I gave it to you. Let me know how I'm supposed to interact or respond to it. Please lead me by your Holy Spirit. Guide me in this. Speak to me through your word. Let the truth, declare it. Uh, just leave it before you. And that's a believing heart that has turned towards the living God, which is the exact opposite of what this is talking about. All of that to say this. If we don't do that, we can't enter into any form of rest. Do you know what the word rest, the kissing cousin of the word rest is? Peace. Noah's name means rest or peace. And many of you are lacking peace because you're going astray in your heart. I'm not doing this to condemn you. I'm trying to give you practical, functional ways to get out of that. In your heart, in the circumstance, you're moving astray and you're allowing unbelief to enter your heart in the living God for your circumstance, and you can't find any rest for your situation. I don't care if you're five minutes in the kingdom, five days, five years, 50 years, or 100 years. We have to come before the Lord with a believing heart. We have to come before the Lord with this mindset that he cares and that every circumstance is to brought before should be brought before him and yielded to him and entrusted to him. And if you can't find rest for your situation, you need to be honest enough to examine and say, hmm, am I kind of departing from that faith level in my heart in you? And trying to just figure this whole thing out while I feel like I'm getting beat up in the spirit and in other realms. And if that's what's going on, tell the Lord the truth. Tell him you're sorry. Ask him to increase your faith and surrender it into his hands. And you will find rest. Do your best. Pray that it's blessed. Let Jesus take care of the rest. Okay? All right. All right, you're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break, top of the hour. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Just as I am, you reach down. 
This KAAM radio show with your very own David Spoon is not a business, but a nonprofit ministry first and foremost committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and strategically equipping the saints. Our mission is to educate, encourage, and entertain Christian believers, the hurting, and those not yet believers who need biblical truths. To continue our radio ministry and message of truth, we need many of our faithful listeners to support us, as well as ministry partners who might wish to sponsor the He Must Increase ministry. By giving, you wonderfully facilitate our priorities of assertively teaching the Word of God, and you get nothing in return. No quid pro quo. Nothing but a receipt at year end indicating you gave to us since your donation is 100% tax deductible. Remember that it says in Corinthians that whoever sows generously will also reap generously, or in Proverbs where it teaches that a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. But if you cannot give, no problem. Continue to enjoy and learn and give however you see fit whenever you can. To support us, go to hemustincrease.org. That's hemustincrease.org. Such support is terribly appreciated, knowing it enables our beloved David Spoon to give to all of us his time, energy, like so few can, right here on KAAM. A couple things I think we'll open up with. I've decided to open up with a story that I wasn't going to open up with because it's such an outrageous story, but it's not an outrageously super bad story. It's an outrageously super dumb story. There's a big difference. Bad is when I tell you, which I'll be telling you probably in the next segment, how the federal government is creating a database to track down uh, hate speech as they define it. We'll That's talk, bad. We'll talk about that a little bit. This is dumb, but it's funny dumb. Dumb, haha, funny, but not entirely. Get this. Now, I'm holding a picture in my hands. You can't see it. But there are four monkeys in this picture that I'm holding. And the headline reads this. Millions in taxpayer money used to study drunken monkeys. No, no, really, drunken monkeys. And you're thinking, no, you're making that up. Nope, federal government reportedly has spent $3.2 million dollars So far, in order to get monkeys drunk, in order to study the effect of alcohol on the monkeys. (laughs) I don't know. See, I don't know where you're even going to go. Where are you going to go with this? I'm going nowhere, Dave. There's no... I got nothing to say. There's no comment that anybody can make. The David Spoon Experience.